The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of This League, we do some cleanup on our all, all-star episode. Tell you talk about why Blake Griffin chose the Nets. We cover the best rumors circulating the NBA before the trade deadline, and we break down why walk the ball up. Nate McMillan is one of the worst potential coaches to coach the Atlanta Hawks, and yet he still has the job. Much like our all All Star episode, Marty, the ratings are in for the big game in Atlanta, and they are shocking. Uh, yeah, I'm um, looking at it. Uh, the Nielsen ratings, uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, 5.9 million total viewers. Uh, but in uh, the 18 to 34 age group, TNT just crushed, crushed. Yeah, that was crazy to me. Yeah, They were the most viewed network in primetime for people under 49. Mm-hmm. And the game, folks, the game had a bigger audience for folks under 45 than the Oprah interview with, with Meghan Markle. How about yeah, that? That was, that was surprising. <laughs> I did watch it after the fact. The All-Star Game, though, as we know, was designed to promote and market HBCUs. And the court was branded. They, I think they donated $3 million to HBCUs through the, through the confines of the All-Star Game, which yeah. in hindsight kind of doesn't seem like a lot at all. And other than, I guess, Mr. Balloon Hands and Embiid, it was a pretty good All-Star weekend all in all. And the league made a shitload of money. So I guess to recap, Adam Silver took the calculated risk and made the right decision, you know, considering everything, the assess- assessing the potential blowback, the health issues, and decided just like, fuck it, we'll just pull the trigger. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the biggest takeaway for me is that it is what it is right now in COVID land, right? Right. The league is going to be very lucky um, if only the Sixers get screwed coming out of the break and I have some reasons why. Why, you may ask, Marty? Why? (laughs) Why, Trista? (laughs) Because it's shocking that Atlanta was not the city that had the most NBA players parlaying during the All-Star break. Not even by a long shot. Where Uh do you think they were? Because you're asking, I'm going to guess Miami. Welcome to Miami. Miami, baby. Oh, my God. 150 NBA players parlaying in Miami. That's so and many. I mean, there's only like 400. Almost. Right? Yes, yeah, almost half the league. <laughs> doing God knows what. And the reason, folks, that we know that there were 150 NBA players parlaying in Miami is because they have to let the NBA know where they are so that they can get COVID tested. And 150 <laughs> of them were setting up their little COVID schedule using the Miami Heat facility. And there were lines, drive-through lines around the block so the NBA players could go get a swab up their nose twice a day. (laughs) That is absurd. 
So Brian Windhorst talked about this on his pod, and he said the NBA had an accurate account of how many NBA players were there. I was told it was in the neighborhood of 150 players in Miami over the weekend. I don't know for sure, but I think the testing site was the heat facility. They had to give the players a schedule. It was a drive through and they had multiple lanes. Multiple lanes, Marty. Adam Silver was right, I guess. Like, everybody's going to do what they want to do. We might as well make some money during the All-Star break, right? Yeah, no, that actually makes a lot of sense that he would think about it that way. I mean, if there's going to be a break, players are going to congregate. I mean, we just we just see it in our everyday lives. People are going to gather. Like, people aren't going to follow the rules 100% of the time, all the time. So, yeah, and the All-Star game was great. I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I think he made the right call. I think so, too, um, given everything that is happening with the league and the salary cap and potential shutdowns and shutdowns last year. I mean, you might as well get some money out of it if you're going to have over half the league not social distancing and in one spot. So I, my final takeaway, I guess, is this. I have a little trouble empathizing with NBA players who complained about the All-Star game being unsafe. Yeah saying that it shouldn't have happened and then watching half the league board a party bus during all-star week in Miami half the league what do you think like half the league just happens to have family in Miami yeah no I mean they probably had to like fill out a form or like something like why they went that's probably part of part of the protocol right I mean if it is I would love to see those I need names who was in (laughs) charge of this who was the leader of the group chat that was like hey, guys, I know just the spot where we can all come through. This had to be coordinated. You can't get that many players in one spot without there being some sort of of organized effort. I would say Kelly Oubre is the favorite to be the ringleader. Has to be. Who formed the group chat and said, Miami or nah? (laughs) This league. So everyone knows the news now. Blake Griffin to the Nets. I broke that story. No big deal. I am Adrian Wojnarowski's little sister. Just scooping fools left and right. But the thing that we didn't know until he came to the Nets was that as soon as he got traded or bought out there, they went from, did you know this, Marty? They went from plus 400 to plus 275 to win the title. Yeah, making them the worst bet in sports right now, in my opinion. They're in some books now the favorites, right? The Lakers... The defending champs are the only ones that have better odds in some books at mm-hmm. 250. Do you know, by the way, do you know the basketball smoothie story? No. What's that? You don't know that? I don't. <laughs> All right. So when Steve Nash came to the Nets as the head coach, I wrote a blog. Don't Google the blog. Okay. The blog was <laughs> the blog was not super excited about Steve Nash being the head coach. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know this. So I got called on the Barstool Radio for with with Dan Katz, Big Cat, and a couple of other employees at Barstool. And we went back and forth. We sparred on why I didn't like the move, how I thought anyone could do the job and win, uh, based around, at this point, just Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Just those two, right? right. It was just Steve Nash, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. And Dan said, if, they, if the Nets win the title, will you eat – a basketball smoothie take a miniature basketball made of rubber and put it in a vitamin and and eat it live oh, on no. camera oh no 
And I said, no. And then he was like, no, you will. And I was like, okay, if I'm very confident the Nets aren't going to win the title. So if they win, yes, on a live stream, I will eat a basketball smoothie. And, you know, I'm a little bit concerned now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that part of it. Damn. Yeah. I'm concerned because there was no James Harden. There was no Blake Griffin. All there were were two best friends with an injury history and a first-time head coach. There was no Mike D'Antoni. There was nothing. <laughs> nothing. He hadn't filled out the staff yet. It was like, yeah. It was just the bare bones. I feel cheated. And as things come together, I am getting more and more nervous. Tell me, let's go into the quote about what Blake Griffin had to say on why he chose the Nets and why I should be nervous. <laughs> yeah, uh, so uh, Blake said uh, they have a need at power forward, and I'm close with DeAndre and Bruce Brown. Uh, it was a tough decision, and I wanted to be on a team that was contending. I love that it was like Bruce Brown. Yeah. That it was one of the linchpins of the Blake Griffin sign. Bruce Brown. I can't come out here without my best friend, Bruce Brown. People's players seem to love him. Players yeah. seem to just love him. I mean, he can give you 35 on any given night. I am a big Bruce Brown fan. There might be a Bruce Brown segment coming. Who knows? It also recently was said on some media outlet that it was KD who recruited him the most to come to Brooklyn. Which, you know, I guess KD was kind of in that Draymond Green role where he was, he's trying to put the pieces together, play a little mini GM. I am very curious to see how Blake fits into the system. I guess they're going to use him as a playmaker? I don't know. There's actually kind of like a lot of stuff they could do with him. I don't really love it, honestly. I don't think Blake is really going to move the needle for them that much. I think they're going to try really hard and nothing really is going to change that much. And I guess the, I think that he could be excellent. I have seen a lot of Detroit Pistons games, as you mm -hmm. know, Marty. And Blake Griffin, as a hustle man, as a man who can pass, kick out, he has gotten double teams his entire career. He will no longer ever get double teams. If he comes off the bench, you know, yeah. and plays some second unit minutes, and they can't double him because maybe Kyrie is in there and Joe Harris, pretty boy Joe Harris, and of course – all-star Bruce Brown is in there hitting from the corner I think it could be great I think it could and you know what and if it's not great you're paying them the minimum One right point. yeah yeah and I, I definitely think it needs to be a bench role like when they when he first got bought out and I started thinking like oh like what if what if we brought him in in Phoenix I know people probably hate me because I all I do is ever talk about my team but uh when I was thinking of that I was just thinking like if we could give Frank Kaminsky's minutes to Blake Griffin like that'd be sweet but like that's all I was really thinking of I wasn't thinking like oh let's get Blake Griffin to come in here and start at power forward for us that was never a thought of mine yeah I think especially when KD and as I think we're starting to see KD is more injured than people wanted to say in the beginning they like to they like to use the wing and the power forward to facilitate the playmate. And when KD's out, they can't do that. And that changes the complexity and the complexion of their offensive system in a way that can hurt them. So I think Blake could be that piece for them. I think it's a great pickup. Um, and like I said, if it doesn't work out, you paid him $1.2 million. Yeah, no risk. Great for the Nets. Not good for me, I would say. Just another piece. If Vegas is starting to put them 
uh, as the favorite to win it all, that's how you know it's a meaningful piece. I doubt that if I have to eat the basketball smoothie, I will ever get it down. Like, I don't even think that that's possible. I could go to the hospital for that. Yeah, you should Google it. Is it even safe to do? I don't think I'm consulting my doctor about it. <laughs> All I can say is this. Anthony Davis better get healthy right quick. And maybe, hopefully, the Lakers can have a couple of tricks up their sleeve in order to make it even more difficult for the Nets. And that is what the next segment is for, Marty. How great is that? for a segue for Dan Gilbert and LeBron James. I mean, just just look at those lyrics. Look at those lyrics and imagine CeeLo Green is Dan Gilbert <laughs> singing to LeBron James. Just imagine it. And, and now you know. Now you know what this segment is all about. This is a perfect representation of Dan Gilbert. Cheap, lying, cheating, stealing, doing whatever that he can to keep LeBron James in his grasp and to keep LeBron James from winning a title when he leaves. Just a salty, bitter ex. That is Dan Gilbert. Dan Gilbert was trending, Marty. We talked about this a couple of days ago when it happened. He is yeah. trending because Andre Drummond, you know, wants out of Cleveland, as pretty much everyone wants out of Cleveland. And his big contract has rumored he's going to get bought out, but he wants to go to L.A., right? People are saying, the world is saying, Where's Andre Drummond going to go? Is he going to match up and come with LeBron James, be a big man to back up Anthony Davis? Is Anthony Davis going to get healthy? Who knows? Andre's perfect. And then Baron Davis comes through. And Baron Davis drops a tweet to show us why Dan Gilbert is the biggest piece of shit this side of Donald Sterling. Let's go over Dan quickly before we talk about this tweet. Dan Gilbert's illustrious career as an owner of the Cats. He drafted Braun out of, out of high school and yep. surrounded this dude with bumps, right? I would say yep. there were bumps for seven years. Didn't, didn't acquire Amari Stoudemire because he was too attached to J.J. Hickson, famously. Yeah. J.J. Hickson, by the way, great blazer. So terrible yeah, like Yeah. Then Braun was like, you know what? I'm tired of playing with bumps. I'm tired of having to do everything. I want to win a title. And he bounced. And then Dan Gilbert proceeded to write a letter in comic sans eviscerating him basically saying you know what lebron i've got a voodoo doll set up with pins that i'm gonna push inside of it you're never gonna win a title you're selfish you're awful like he said so much shit it was like i can't even believe that this is real you're disloyal you promised us you promised cleveland you would win a title and then he said you know what we're gonna win a title before you do lebron james which was just crazy that was crazy. hilarious that was the funniest part of it it wasn't like LeBron was like, hey, I'm leaving. He didn't know where LeBron was going to go. It was like, I'm leaving with Chris Bosh and to join D-Wade. And he's like, yeah, Cleveland's going to win a title before you. Okay. And so they did. He, he and they did win two titles. And he decided for some ungodly reason, I don't know, LeBron James being one of the best humans on earth, says, you know what? I will go back to Cleveland. I will win a ring for Cleveland. That's just one of the craziest sports stories. I love it. To go back to the guy who said all of those things, and he has zero interest playing for him, and he's like, I love Cleveland so much that I'm going to go back just to get them a ring, and I am going to get the fuck out. So why on earth would Dan Gilbert be mad? I don't know. I don't know why Dan Gilbert would be so petty still now that he has gotten a ring from LeBron James. Probably will never get a ring ever again. What is there to be so salty about? I don't know. Maybe Dan Gilbert is just a prick. 
But Baron Davis then tweeted this. He, he decided to comfort Gilbert's neck when Drummond was rumored to be bought out, right? So what did, uh, what did Dan Gilbert do? Because I guess Baron was on the Cavs? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was uh, it was after the uh, Mo Williams uh, trade. It was Blake Griffin's rookie year, uh, uh, Clippers. So uh, uh, Baron Davis said, uh, "I remember Dan Gilbert sent a message to me. He wouldn't let me out of my deal if I went to play with LeBron. Facts. He knew that where I was going, so they played hardball. He said if I went to play with LeBron, he would win a title. I told him LeBron gonna win one anyway, and he did. My gosh, yes." Dan Gilbert, it was Baron Davis that was going to stand in the way of the Miami Heat getting a ring. Yeah, Baron Davis is going to D up Dirk. Like, what are we doing here? This, though, is is Dan Gilbert in a nutshell to me. Like, the funniest thing is, like, the guy's gone, and you're doing everything in your power to make his life worse. Like, Dan Gilbert, to me, Marty, is the girl. We'll call her Danielle, right, instead of Dan. He hooked up, got lucky with the hottest guy in high school, right? Like somehow, some way lucked into this. Continuously gaslit her boyfriend. Told him, you're not shit. You're never going to be shit. You could only be with me. This is only going to work with me. And for seven years, he put up with it. And then all of a sudden he was like, wow, there's this hot girl in Miami. She wants me. She's got a job. She's got good culture, good family. I'm going to go and hang out with her. He leaves. And Danielle just goes full ham on Facebook, starts tweeting things away, starts talking about his mom, starts talking about things that aren't even true, showing up at his job. And you're like, oh my God, a public letter, AKA threats turning all the family and friends against them, saying, you know what? You're never going to shit without me. You (laughs) promised me. You promised me a baby. And then you know what? After he, with that other woman, has a couple of kids, it works. Somehow, some way, the family, the friends, someone got into his head, and they were like, you know what? Maybe you should try to make it work with Danielle. Maybe you should just go back there and see. You guys have been together for a long time. She was your first just go back there, see if you can give her a baby. Just see. They reconcile and you know what? Yup. They have a baby together. And then Danielle proceeds to be one of the worst baby mamas of all time. Just still, after they break up, he leaves, of course, to go to Angela, right? The city of angels. And she continues to just wreak havoc at every step of the way. Still salty, still trying to fuck up his life for no reason whatsoever, doing everything that she can to make his life worse. This, think about this, Marty, a billionaire, a billionaire doing everything he can for no reason to make another billionaire's life worse, to thwart the plans of another billionaire. He just wants to be happy. He wants to be in love. Yes, yes, yes. He wants love, couldn't find love with Danielle, found love in Miami found love in Los Angeles, went back to his home to give the love to his city, which he did. And Dan Gilbert just still doesn't, is not satisfied with that. And let's just say this. Do you know, I don't know if you know this, Marty, but like this is not even a fraction of how bad Dan Gilbert is. It's not even close to his lowest moment. Uh, What are you referring to? Go Google Quicken Loans Justice Department when you get a second. 
go down that rabbit hole. It's gross. It's gross. How gross is it? It's, it's about as gross as a basketball smoothie will taste if Dan Gilbert blocks Andre Drummond from going to the LA Lakers. That's how gross it is. This league. So March 25th, the deadline, Marty. Yeah. Got a couple weeks. And you know shit is about to pop off. We have now going to skip the question seg- segment altogether just so that we can cover all the rumors that are circulating, some of the wild ones, some of the most fun ones. I think the, the most fun one is about the most trash team. This is probably one of the most absurd stories that I've heard. Okay. Worst team in basketball, Houston Rockets. It appears that they are having a fire sale. Everything must go. Everything. They said, everything's half up. That's what happens basically when you lose the last 13 games going into the All-Star break. Jake Fisher, some reporter, says that Raphael Stone, the GM, is quote-unquote starting to call around on everyone, starting to pitch. He has a little shopping cart filled with all of his players. Like, who do you want? Oladipo, likely gone. Appears he's looking for a max deal and he's rehabbing in Miami right now, so you know he's probably in Miami. He actually might be the one who started that group chat. Being like, hey, I'm doing a little rehab action. You're trying to come. PJ Tucker also looks like he's gone. Okay. It looks like he either wants to go to the any contender. Bucks, Nets, Heat, Lakers, Philadelphia, Nuggets, Wolves. And But what was crazy is that the, uh, that the Rockets were only going to let him go at one point for a first rounder or three seconds. How I mean, delusional is that? PJ Tucker's 35 or 36. How who's he's giving 30, up? A fr- he's 35 and he's shooting 31% from three. Yeah. Yeah. And people don't realize how old he is because he spent six years overseas before he came. Four and a half rebounds compared to six and a half. I mean, his price is just plummeting. And they're like, give us a first rounder. Fuck you. No. Nobody wants a 35-year-old guy for a first round pick. I'm sorry. We want PJ Tucker. Not at that price. John Wall also likely maybe wants out if they have the fire sale and he's the only one left, like like uh, James Harden. Remember what James Harden said? That could happen very fast with John Wall. Get me the fuck out of this place. All the supporting cast on the block. Daniel House on the block. Ben McElmore. Sterling Brown. Jason Tate. But it appears that no one's safe. No one is untradeable for the Houston Rockets. And the funniest thing was what one assistant GM said that Houston is going to burn the house down. That's interesting. Yeah. This is going to be a completely new team next year. Yeah, that that feels like it's on that's the trajectory for it. It's just Christian Wood. Good yeah. luck Christian Wood. Houston's a beautiful place in the summer I hear. So it then let's, let's move on. Let's move on. It's not. It's actually a show. Next we move on to the unusual case of Kyle Lowry. I've been saying this, you've been saying this, everybody's been saying Kyle Lowry to the Sixers right house is sold in toronto and he lost money on it he lost money on a house okay that tells you things things are happening yeah the losing money aspect when you're losing money on a house sale you're out you want to move it fast you're looking for a new place in a new city bill simmons and rosillo spilled the tea did you hear this tea uh on their latest pod or yeah that he has been running around telling Kyle Lowry has been running around telling everyone that he's getting traded for a month now. Mm. And then Lowry came up on IG and was like, Hey, 
the lies people tell in the media are amazing. Do not put a thing out if it didn't come from me. And that sounds like salty balls because then he also said, Toronto will always be my home. Toronto will always be my home, which also means you're out of the door. No one says like, James Harden said that, right? When he left. Yeah. Houston will always be my home. And it's like, you're in Brooklyn right now. He also then said, he also then said, I want to retire a Raptor, even if it's on a one-day contract. That seems like you're out the door for sure. Anyway, also Nikola Vucevic, another another name on the trade block, got to be one of the most desirable names that could possibly be traded, right? Yeah, definitely. In terms of uh, actual production, like yeah, definitely. He's averaging 25, 12, and 4, shooting 41% as a big man from three. And he has two seasons left on his contract. I think everyone – Everyone wants Nikola Vucevic, and especially Boston. His his stock price right now is high, mm-hmm. high, high. The Magic says we don't want to move him, but really, you don't. Are you sure? You're the Magic. You're not winning anytime soon. Anytime soon. We also know Lamarcus Aldridge is on the move. Your boy Greg Popovich said that he's going to try to work something out for Lamarcus because he's been good to the franchise. So right. He's not going to play him. Here's the little spin. Here's a funny spin. When Detroit and Cleveland don't play their stars, they're a shitty organization, right? Because, and then when Popovich does it, it's like he's being good to LaMarcus. He's like, LaMarcus, you've been so good to our team. We don't want to see you get injured. We're going to sit you out when you're healthy. And everyone's like, Pop is the best. I love Pop. It's like the exact same thing. Right. That is funny. And then last night they went six minutes in the fourth quarter without scoring and they lost because they had a healthy scratch LaMarcus Aldridge sitting on the bench. I had him too. And everybody's like, Greg Popovich is the best. That's the media for you. Also, let's talk Celtics for a second because the Celtics are probably the biggest team that's been swirling with trade rumors since the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. Trader Danny's got to do something. Trader Danny says he's going to do something. Trader Danny needs to do something. <laughs> Harrison Barnes. They just keep saying Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes. Kings are asking a, lo- a lot for him. Uh, they say that they want to use Tatum at the four, Harrison Barnes at the three. Lineup flexibility, great. Harrison Barnes is on a team-friendly deal. I think he makes 20 this year, 18 next year. Yeah, 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 something like that. Too much. And and Celtics fans, I hate to break it to you, but the key centerpiece of this trade, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart might be traded. <laughs> it's either Robert Williams or Marcus Smart. And I'd tell you who I would want if I was the Kings. His name is not Time Lord. His name is not Robert Williams. If Shreveport Shreveport native Robert Williams love Shreveport native Robert Williams can't make a flight on time Robert Williams uh I tell you what if Marcus Smart ends up getting traded the victory lap will be nonstop. I might say it on every single episode hey by the way just like I said need to move on from Marcus Smart you did and you're gonna be better for it because now you have Harrison Barnes anyhow Celtics looks like uh, Celtics look like they want Lamarcus Aldridge. They're looking for a big man that can shoot. Larry Nash Jr. is also on the radar. Mm-hmm. 
they're high on Jeremy Grant, which they will not get. Everybody thinking that they can get Jeremy Grant is just absurd. I don't know why. Like, he's having a career year in his first year on a new team that they really don't have any other assets to be proud of. Like, I don't like, – yeah, no. There's no way they're getting rid of him. Anyway, the TPE, we'll talk about the trade player trade to player exception. Not going to use it until the offseason appears. So, Boston is big trash. They need to make a move. I hope they trade Marcus Smart just so that I can be right. I don't know marty boston has a problem the problem is that they had great players and they traded those players away and they got worse players in return or they left in free agency and they and they didn't get anything for them would you agree that that's the problem they've got several problems their roster is just constructed really weird uh yeah i don't know it's hard it's hard to pinpoint but yeah no they have not been managed uh particularly well the last like season and a half no we're going to be keeping a close eye on these rumors. There's going to be every single week, every single day, it feels like something else is coming out. So we're going to be keeping an eye. We will update you more on next episode in advance of the March 25th deadline. Let's move on. Yeah, I'm feeling myself. I'm feeling myself because we talked about Nate McMillan as the interim head coach. My initial instinct was, this is terrible. This is a terrible decision. Yeah, yeah. And I said, you know what? As a woman in the media, they will flame you if you are not bringing facts, coming with stats, numbers, hard data. They're going to be like, you don't know basketball. So I said, okay, I'm going to go off, do some research, read a bunch, go back into the history books about his time as a head coach. And you know what? I feel the same way. (laughs) I feel the exact same way. So my original feelings were pretty much spot on. So I'm feeling myself. Let's get into it. Point one. This is what we know. Nate McMillan does not want the head coaching job of the Atlanta Hawks. He does not want to be a head coach in this league because I believe this is me. Just my belief is that he knows he's in over his head and he's not good at that job. That's, that's what I believe. I know that he does not want that job because he said he reluctantly took it and he had to be forced into it by Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce is like, yo, just take the job. Just take it for the rest of the season. You don't have to even have it after the season is over. Okay. What we also know is that Nate McMillan has a reputation, a reputation for being very slow, for being very methodical. And he's now the interim coach of one of the youngest, hottest, freshest, fastest teams in the NBA. I would say those two facts are almost everything you need to know, unless you're me, so I have to give more data. (laughs) So... What we also know is that Nate McMillan, he can get you to the playoffs, and he can't do much more than that. In the nine years that he's been head coach, how many times do you think his teams, Marty, have gotten out of the first round? Ooh. It's not zero, is it? It can't be zero. Not zero. It's not zero. One, two. It is one. It's not two, and it's not zero. (laughs) It's one. Oh, my God. So he was a head coach in Seattle, head coach in Portland. This is how I know him. I know him from Portland. Mm -hmm. I am intimately familiar with Nate McMillan in Portland. Like, this is a guy who told Brandon Roy, walk the ball up. Let me say it again. This is a guy (laughs) who told Brandon Roy to walk the ball up, even if there was a fast break opportunity, even if the other team missed the shot. Can you imagine? Walk the ball up? I mean, what? What is this? This is like in 2012. In 2012, the average points per game was 96.3. The Blazers scored like 88 points per game. He was always below the league average in pace. 
every single time he's the head coach, his team is like the best that they possibly have been is 24th ranked in pace of play. They're <laughs> always the bottom in points per game too. They're the bottom tier in pace and points. That is gross. And what we know is now, that's kind of like where we're going, right? The NBA is fast-paced, needs oh, yeah. lots of points. Offense, there was just an article written about the Brooklyn Nets changing the NBA because it's all offense all the time. Yeah, I mean, the uh, Mike D'Antoni's sons, that 0405, like seven seconds or less team, I think if you if you took them and put them in today's NBA, they'd be like 27th, 28th in pace. Like it's changed that much in just like 15 years. It's gross. Yeah. Nate's most, here's a fun fact. Nate's most, uh, two most successful years, the Blazers finished dead last in pace of play. Yuck. He got fired. Why? Because guys just weren't listening to him anymore. They said he lost the locker room. Yeah, no shit. You're dead last. No one, no Hooper in their right mind wants to walk the ball up to half court. Not even when you're six, not when you're 12. And certainly not when you're a pro player making a million dollars a year and somebody hits the ball off the rim and you're like, yo, I can go out on the fast break, dunk it, feel good, right in front of the shorties on the line. So, yeah, he went from Portland and then somehow, some way, he bamboozled his way to Indiana. Larry Bird said that the reason that he fired Frank Vogel was because he wanted to play a faster style. Frank Vogel was like last in efficiency and he wanted to have a more efficient and fast offense. I'm sorry. Fast pace doesn't always go with efficiency. It needs to be noted that Larry Bird resigned after he hired Nate McMillan. That very next year, he resigned. So <laughs> wasn't a great idea. All of that to say, now he is the interim head coach in Atlanta. In Atlanta with Trey Young, and Cam Reddish, John Collins. The team that was scoring like 113 points per game. How many points do you think that they're going to score now in the second half of the season? Oh, my God. You're talking about John Collins, who said, I'm tired of a drill sergeant. I'm tired of this authoritarian guy who's not listening to us. And you hired your interim head coach, whose nickname is Sarge. What are you guys doing? I didn't Trav know that was his name. <laughs> Travis like, has to know all of these things. He has to. If I know them, he knows them. This is the decision-making that I don't understand that is puzzling me. These guys are constantly saying to Lloyd Pierce, the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, hey, we want to play a more free-flowing style of offense, especially in the fourth quarter. Like, let us kind of rip and roll and read and react. And then they hire Nate. Were they listening? Were they listening to what these players wanted at all? John Collins, Trey Young, Cam Reddish, if you don't think it can get worse for you, it can. <laughs> you don't like discipline? Get ready for wind sprints and push-ups and suicides at 5 a.m. when you didn't walk the ball up on a fast break. The question that I have is, is there a worse coach to replace Lloyd Pierce than Nate McMillan? If you tried to find one, I don't think you could. This better be fucking temporary Atlanta. Holy shit. But the only good news that I have for you and me, Marty, is it creates a great opportunity for gamblers. I have two words for you folks. Under city. <laughs> this league. Oh, that's all the time that we have for this league. Please subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. 
It makes a huge difference for us. We also have This League hoodies on sale at the Barstool store. Thank you for listening to the remote podcast of This League. I have no idea how this is going to sound. We may even have to re-record this later on tonight. I don't know. But things will be back to square one Monday afternoon. Thanks for listening. We'll see you then. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.